Hello, and welcome to Cover to Credits, the bi-weekly podcast where we discuss books and their movie adaptations. I'm Ian George. And I'm Adina Hilton. In this episode, we'll be discussing The Sisters Brothers. The Sisters Brothers was written by Patrick DeWitt and published in 2011. And the film adaptation, which came out in 2018, was directed by Jacques Audierd. Nice. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Ian always gets the hard ones. He is a uh, French director. This was actually his first uh, English language film. Wow. And it was primarily shot, I think, all in Spain and France. Weird. Uh, Yeah, which is interesting. Um, Kind of following the footsteps of like spaghetti westerns Hmm. that were, you know, shot in Italy. So yeah, that is interesting. Uh, We want to just acknowledge right away that this is a patron request. Yes. We've been doing a lot of patron requests lately, which is awesome. Um, And this episode was recommended to us by our wonderful patron, Jeffrey. So thank you, Jeffrey, for suggesting this episode. You may remember Jeffrey from such recommendations as Cloud Atlas. Oh, what an episode. (laughs) What a great episode. If you haven't listened to that one, you need to. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. Uh, And yeah, I was so excited that he suggested this one because I was... Aware of the movie when it came out. Yeah. Uh, it was actually kind of a funny story because I was trying to think of like who my favorite actors were. Mm-hmm. I was kind of making a list in my head and I was like, two of my favorites are definitely Jake Gyllenhaal and for sure, Joaquin Phoenix. And I thought about it. I was like, have they ever been in a movie together? And I couldn't think of one. So I looked it up <laughs> and sure enough, I'm like, oh, they're both in a movie called The Sisters Brothers. Huh? And I'm like, oh, it's not out yet. Like (laughs) there was a trailer and everything, but it wasn't out yet. Wow. And so ever since then, I've been meaning to see this. And I don't even think I was aware that it was a book until it was recommended. So, yeah. And it's uh, always fun to do something a little different. We haven't done a Western in a while. Since True Grit, right? I don't think. Yeah. Yeah. And the Western is such an interesting genre, too, especially like the current Westerns. Yeah. Because there was like the classic wholesome westerns and then like the anti westerns. Mm-hmm. And now, like, this is an adaptation and movie that's like not quite either. Yeah. Like, it kind of falls into some classic western tropes, but it kind of subverts some. And mm-hmm. so it's kind of an interesting time for that genre. It is. So let's get right into this episode and talk about the Sisters Brothers. And you may ask, what kind of title is what do that? you what does that mean the sisters brothers yeah uh it is because the main characters are charlie and eli sisters yes uh so thus making them the sisters brothers which is a great i love that you know i love it as a yeah. title and like how that works with their names and everything i think it's really funny yeah and the movie opens up where it's like totally black And Charlie and Eli kind of announce, like, we're the sisters brothers, like, come out or something. And (laughs) then scream their names. (laughs) Yeah, they're like, one, two, three, four, like a band going on. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We're going to rock you. (laughs) (laughs) But instead, they kill everyone. (laughs) (laughs) And it's funny because, like, the book um, doesn't open up here, but we are told about this incident where they had this uh, assassin type job where they had to kill these men, um, but their horses ended up getting burned alive um, because the barn caught on fire. And we see this uh, play out in the movie. Yeah, so it's a good introduction actually seeing them commit a um, a hit, Yeah, I guess. Would they call it a hit back Many then? Many a hit. Many a hit. 
And because, I mean, in the book, we're told a lot about them being killers for quite a while before we ever actually see them. Yeah. Kind of have to act out on any of the, you know, on killing anyone. So I appreciated starting the movie off this way. Mm -hmm. It was a little confusing, the setup of the barn being on fire. Yeah, I don't know if we were supposed to understand what exactly was going on here. That it was like even their horses. Yeah. Because Eli's like upset about the horses burning, but like it's not even clear they're his horses. Yeah. And I mean, as far as the um, the book goes, we're told about kind of this like botched uh, hit where like their ho- his horse burned alive. Yeah. And he's still very upset about it. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he currently has this just piece of shit like awful horse named Tub. Tub. <laughs> Perfect name. Uh, it's I love terrible. the name. <laughs> and so cut to Eli and Charlie are kind of in this town and Charlie is in this like house talking with a man called the Commodore. And we eventually realize that the Commodore is sort of the man who hires them. He's the one who puts out these hits pays them to do this job. Um, And we kind of establish right away kind of the the dynamic going on where Eli is sitting outside on his horse waiting and Charlie's the one inside with the Commodore talking about what their next job is. Yeah. And so after the meeting with the Commodore, Eli and Charlie sit down and discuss the job and we kind of get like, you know, their dynamic fleshed out farther where, uh, you know, Eli is kind of annoyed uh, about just having to work for the Commodore in general and that the Commodore doesn't really like Eli that much because according to Charlie, there needs to be a lead man on this job. Yeah. And Charlie has been promoted to this position. Mm-hmm. So he's going to get more money and Eli is going to get less. And this kind of illustrates their dynamic where Charlie is definitely the leader in their relationship and he's also the one that's kind of more suited to the killing lifestyle. Yeah, and there's also a lot of questions raised about um, what these people they're killing. They don't really oftentimes know what the reason is they're put on the assignment. Um, a lot of times they're just told that they stole from the Commodore. Yeah. But Eli's kind of like, who are all these people like daring to steal from this man? Who's very influential and powerful yeah. and can have them killed. Yeah. Eli is sort of questioning what they're really supposed to be doing, but Charlie doesn't really care. No, like Char- it's yeah. not that Charlie hasn't thought about it. It's just, it doesn't matter to him really. And Eli is definitely the one who's more introspective kind of, thoughtful um he's not that smart though despite how thoughtful he is (laughs) he's thinking a lot he's contemplating his life and his relationship with his brother but um yeah he's kind of (laughs) dumb he is yeah especially i think in the book because this is an interesting fact about the book is that it's written in a first person perspective uh, from Eli's point of view. So even though it's like a story about these two brothers, yeah. you're getting it from his perspective. And so, you know, there is that unreliable narrator quality where you're kind of questioning Eli as well. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And like, is, is he really picking up on everything? Are his insights correct? Mm-hmm. Um, so I really like that dynamic and getting it. Because it, Charlie is more of an enigma. Yeah. He's much more violent. Uh just explosive. Yeah, hot headed. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so it's interesting to get Eli's perspective on that mm-hmm. and kind of how he gets roped into um, all of Charlie's uh, deals. Yeah. 
And their new job that they're going to head out on soon is they need to kill a man called Hermit. Herman Kermit Warm. Herman Kermit Warm. 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 God damn it. Herman Kermit Warm, um, (laughs) who apparently stole from the Commodore, and they're going to find him somewhere in the San Francisco area. And there's a spy that's already there to kind of keep an eye on Warm, and is supposed to send them updates, and his name is Morris. Yeah, yeah. And this kind of gets into... like Eli is questioning, like, why doesn't Morris just kill him? And Charlie's like, that's not his job. He doesn't want to do that. Yeah, and he's would, not paid to do that. Yeah, which is good insight into Morris as a character. He's kind of, I forget if the book or movie described him as this. He's kind of a dandy. The book. The book, yeah. Yeah. yeah kind of a dandy. So yeah. not much for the killing lifestyle. But still in the killing business. Still <laughs> in the business. Just a different, he's more like the bookkeeping side of it. Yeah. Uh, so they head out on this job, and right away, we should talk about the score of this film. Yeah, the score is really good. I, I love it. It's kind of, there's a lot of, like, really good piano music that's kind of in a weird key. Yeah, it's it was kind of unsettling at this part. It I is. remember specifically when they're, like, riding out into the wilderness, kind of. It's kind of very hammering, just like, like, as they're traveling uh, but it really does a good job of kind of setting up this like it's just good travel music to begin with, like during these montages of them going through these like beautiful landscapes and locations and everything. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the the music is it fits with the aesthetic of a Western, mm-hmm. but it also feels different in a lot of ways and kind of quirky. Yeah. Which is a good description of this story in general is quirky. Definitely. In the book, as they're heading out on this crazy new adventure they have many many small adventures along the way and this was very kind of different to read through and as Ian and I were reading these beginning parts I was like wow it's so episodic and strange and it almost feels like like a dream or something like they kept having like this these encounters after encounters and they're on the road and these things keep happening and it has this like really interesting quality to it where it does kind of feel like this you know road trip road journey story I forget where I read this but someone compared it to um a brother where art thou I did did you? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I said it reminded me of it. I thought I read that somewhere. <laughs> wow, I Adina. mean, you may have. You're, <laughs> you're so smart and insightful. <laughs> I forget who told me. <laughs> I'll just plagiarize them right now. Uh, but no, I mean, I, I think that's a great comparison where it's like kind of this really off kilter weird and the book more than even the movie. Yeah. Um, and it, it it's almost a totally different kind of book at the beginning because it's it just is. like one encounter after the other. And honestly, this book was like super readable for me. Yeah. I think because of this reason, like the chapters are very, very short, sometimes Mm -hmm. like a few pages, uh, you know, probably not over 10 on average usually. Yeah. And so it was easy just to kind of keep flipping through it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, there's just like one encounter after the other. The first one is this spider bite. Yes. That Eli suffers. Oh my God, which we see in the movie, which makes it even worse because the spider crawls into his mouth in the movie <laughs> and I had to look away. Uh, trigger warning for anyone watching this movie. It's terrible. <laughs> it was terrifying. It just goes right into his mouth. And then like, did he eat it? I don't know. You don't see it come out. So no <laughs> one knows. Um, 
in the book, it's funny because like it just it's in his boot and bites his foot. Yeah. But then his face swells up and then he has dental. He's like a tooth problem after that. Yeah. And you're like, are they related? Like what is happening? Yeah. But they have to go to the dentist, <laughs> which was just a whole fun, interesting side. Plot. There's a lot of interesting like uh, insights into like what it was like to live in this time period in the West. Yeah. Because uh, Eli gets his, first of all, they're introduced to Novocaine. Yes. He's like, wow, I can't feel my face at all. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, and in fact, Charlie robs the dentist at the end of his Novocaine. Because he's like, this could be useful. Yeah, I'll find a use for this, which they do, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, and then he also gives Eli a toothbrush. Yeah. And, and this, Eli <sighs> fucking loves this shit. It's so He's funny. like, oh my God. Brushing my teeth is like the best thing ever. <laughs> and I just love this because like, yeah, nobody brushed their teeth. And no. then like he likes the mintiness of the tooth powder. He enjoys the ritual of it. And it's so funny to see the scene in the movie, too, because John C. Riley, who plays Eli, is just if you imagine someone who has never brushed their teeth before, just trying to like move a toothbrush like all <laughs> around their face, like getting it everywhere. It was really funny. He was great. Yeah. there And there's a lot of like moments like this in the film. There's another one where they stayed at a fancy hotel and it's the first time they've ever encountered a toilet. Yeah. And I, I loved that part too. He like flushes it and he's like, oh my God, Charlie, look at this. <laughs> uh, Next on this series of crazy adventures, they end up in like a witch's house. Yes. And they're like, you're a witch. And she's like, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and then she, when they wake up in the morning, she's like strung this like beaded thing through the door and they're like it's cursed and yeah. i'm like how do you know that that's what i don't know they have so much knowledge and i i don't know why <laughs> yeah they just are very certain this is what i love about like this is what i want in my westerns like both like book and film is just like this sense of like kind of anything could happen you could encounter anything yeah out there it's just like People, no like, man's land. Tons of people living in like total isolation and being crazy. And, yeah. Like, who knows? Barely any government. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I want my westerns to really like push the boundary of like what I'm expecting to run into. Yeah. There's also this storyline in the book where they stop in this town and they're at this hotel and Eli kind of is like semi in love with the woman who like runs the hotel. Yeah. And is kind of wanting to talk with her, wanting to bond. Um, it's kind of silly because you know immediately like she doesn't she's not into him no. and he's sort of like very clumsy in his efforts to like win her over. Um, and he resolves to like diet. And try to lose some weight. Because she's like, oh, I just I just like thinner men. Yeah. And he's like, I can diet. I can I can lose 20 pounds at least. And yeah, she's and like, you do uh, feel bad for him. I think this was a really good part of the book because, like, it's very transparent how she feels about him. And you feel just, like, very sad for Eli. Even though he was, like, kind of creepy towards her. Yeah. Or a little overly forward. Like, you ultimately just, like, feel f sad for him. Because mm -hmm. you realize he's probably, like, very lonely. Yeah. And there's also a part in this town where there's a shootout. Yeah. Or not a shootout, but a, a duel. duel. <laughs> and I love it because the one guy gets shot. And as he like falls to the ground, he just shoots his pistol off and hits someone in the crowd. Oh, my God. And I was like, that probably happened all the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like that serves everyone right for just standing around watching this duel happen. Exactly. 
Yeah, and then they encounter this boy who is part of this wagon train, and then everyone either died or, like, abandoned him, and he's alone. And it's, again, there's just these random episodes that don't really feel like they're that important to the plot or even to the overall theme, but they just add this sense, like, what you were saying of, like, anything could happen and they're just on this weird quest journey almost and they keep encountering all these random people that are either there to mostly just there they're not there to like help them or hurt them really they're just kind of there yeah and i i thought it was interesting too like you find out about this kid's travel like how the entire like group of people traveling just like either died or fell apart like only leaving him which i loved that story Mm mm-hmm and the kid tries traveling with Charlie and Eli, but can't keep up. Yeah. And they kind of like leave him behind. And you're like, oh, that was a sad way to end, but interesting. Yeah. Then the kid shows up again later and you're like, oh, OK, like he's going to be back in it. And then no, then they, they just leave, they him, leave again. him again. And then he's really gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of you're, you're kind of like almost never quite sure. Like, is this going to come back up again? Yeah. Or isn't it like, is this character really gone? There's this like crying man the weeping man the weeping man who they run into like three Three times three times in the book but like you never find out what what he's so sad about or like what's going on (laughs) yeah Yeah, and this is definitely tapping into that little bit of the comedic side to this like that twisted sense of humor almost yeah uh and there's also a whole situation with this like these fur trappers trying to find this like red furred bear she bear they keep saying (laughs) and because uh someone's after her pelt is going to pay like a a hefty price for the pelt so these fur trappers are after it and of course eli and charlie just happen to run into the bear and kill it and so then they go to this town mayfield to sell the fur Mm -hmm. and before we talk about the town of mayfield uh let's talk about how the movie kind of goes back and forth between uh, the two different storylines. So we get Charlie and Eli on the road trying to eventually go to the place where they will find Warm and kill him. And in the movie, we also get the story of Morris, who's the spy, and him kind of keeping an eye on Warm and then actually beginning to talk with him as well. Yeah, and it does. um, it is similar to the book in that, you know, a lot of these things did happen, but we don't find out about them till much later. Yeah. We, we kind of get caught up to this, po- to a certain point. Again, uh, with that first person narrative. Yeah. You can't really have that. So No, yeah. It is all first person from Eli throughout the, the book. Uh, but Morris and Warm, uh, Morris is spying on Warm and then Warm kind of like approaches him. And it's in the book, he kind of is like more knowing and kind of like sly yeah and kind of like finds morris out yeah very quickly knows that the commodore sent him yes yeah but in the movie uh it's kind of this more like they just they warm kind of wants to become friends with him quickly yeah and morris is like well i might as well be friends with him and travel with him and keep an eye on him yeah like from a closer perspective Mm -hmm. and we we get scenes of them talking and kind of bonding more which i found really interesting yeah where warm uh he first of all he tells morris about his his formula yes and we realize that this is what the commodore is saying that warm stole from him yeah um when in reality it's that warm refused to give his secret formula to the commodore so of course the commodore 
wants the formula and warm dead. Um, but this formula is like this magical elixir that when you put it in the river, it will reveal where the gold is. Um, and as we're in the middle of the gold rush in, you know, California, this is definitely a money-making very valuable venture. Um, so Morris is very intrigued by this. And in the book, uh, Warm actually demonstrates for him how it works. And this sort of converts Morris to Warm's cause. Yeah, uh, I, I like in the movie, though, how you kind of don't know if he's crazy or it works or not yeah. uh, until like way farther down the line because yeah. you never actually see a demonstration or at work or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also get like a scene of them kind of like talking and bonding where Warm is is kind of saying kind of lamenting about uh, the new country. I think he refers to it and it being just like very kind of corrupted and sad and he kind of wants to see he thinks like people are capable of more civility and like a more civilized life Mm -hmm. and he kind of wants to like create a more civilized life like a kind of a commune for people yeah and he really speaks to morris and morris kind of has this like almost like little epiphany that's very where he's like he's like when i was growing up i hated my dad and i left home as quickly as i could and he's like this whole time I thought I had, like, forgotten about him. Yeah. But now I'm realizing that, like, literally everything I do now is, like, in response to me either, like, wanting to be against him or, like, trying to forget him. Or, yeah. And I, it, this kind of is what, like, sways Morris to want to help uh, Warm. Because mm-hmm. I think more than anything, he kind of, like, believes in this cause that Warm is, like, basically wanting to, ra- like... Uh, build up money for yeah that's kind of what like this is all about in the movie is Mm -hmm. they want to make money warm wants to make money so he can begin this commune society yeah and and morris is kind of quickly on board with that idea yeah in the book it's more that they just kind of become friends and i think morris in both versions is lonely um and is going through a time where he needs friendship and so when warm wants this um he's very quickly responsive um so yeah they decide to team up and kind of take off yeah yes yeah, so they uh morris like abandons his post and they take off for the uh the rivers to go and use the formula make some money make some make some gold make some gold bricks around this time uh uh, Eli, the sisters' brothers, Eli and Charlie. <laughs> I'm like, what are their names? I don't know. They arrive in the town of Mayfield. In the book, it's to sell the bear pelt. Yeah. Um, to Mayfield, uh, the man who owns and runs the town. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the movie, they just kind of happen upon the town and their travels. Yeah. And they also encounter Mayfield, except Mayfield is a woman in this situation. Yeah, and I forget the name of the actress, um, but I did look her up. Yeah. Um, And she's actually a British trans actress, um, openly trans. Um, So it's really cool. Um, I wasn't exactly sure what this scene was doing when we first were watching it, Mm -hmm. but then kind of looking up more about this actress, um, I thought that was really interesting to have Mayfield be a woman. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't really, like, focus on the fact that she's trans. No. Or, like, making a joke of it or anything like that. Like, Mm -mm. it just kind of, it's like, yeah. It's, you know, 
Mayfield's a woman. Yeah, like, and they respect her pronouns. So. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, <laughs> fuck yeah. I'm like, this is what I want for my Westerns. Yeah, anything can happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they are uh, staying at the hotel and Charlie is just getting super, super fucking plastered with Mayfield. And meanwhile, Eli kind of goes off on his own <laughs> and meets a woman in both versions of the story. In the movie, though, it's it's peak it's so funny oh my god this scene so apparently he got this like shawl from a woman in his travels previously and he's been carrying it around with him and he asked this woman to enact a scene with him where she (laughs) pretends to be the woman who gave him the shawl and she gives it to him and i think he wants this to be like a like this is his foreplay. Like he wants to fuck yeah. her. I think he thinks she's like a prostitute. He wants it to like be romantic. Yeah. And she just like is not <laughs> like either following along or like getting it. And he's just like, no, give it to me. Like, like you, you're not going to see me for a while. And like, like it's something valuable. Yeah. And she's like, okay, here's the shawl. He's it's like, like no! no, no. But like, <laughs> say like this is a part of me. She's like, okay, this is a part of me. No, but like in your own word, it's just like him directing her yes <laughs> for like five minutes and finally she's just like okay um bye <laughs> also like, watch out you're too nice like you know i don't want to fuck with that so, yeah. so she pieces out and um plus eli probably isn't into it anymore anyhow no in the book he meets this woman who is like dying she mm-hmm. has some unnamed sickness and he feels like he's in love with her and wants to talk with her, just like the woman who owned the hotel. And I think it's interesting to mention that both of these women are never really given names. We do find out the hotel woman's name, but from Charlie, because he's, he actually fucked her. Charlie fucked her, and Eli didn't realize that <laughs> yeah. until he had been trying to diet for like five days. And then Charlie's like, listen, man, she <laughs> she was like, give me, a, give me this amount of money and, I'll, and you can fuck me. Yeah, uh, I wanted to let you know because I don't want you to starve yourself or nothing. I did love I thought that part worked well in the book, though, because like Charlie didn't come across as bad for it. No, he and was he wasn't like, even like bragging no. about it. He's like, I wouldn't have done it if I knew you were into her. Uh, he's like, but I don't want to see you like starve yourself for this woman who yeah. I'm pretty sure isn't interested in you. <laughs> <laughs> and then Eli's like, fuck my diet. <laughs> uh, but like he's clearly like kind of a hopeless romantic and is just looking for someone yeah someone to love and for them to reciprocate love and like it's sad i mean even with like the bookkeeper where it's like somewhat more of a match you're like this probably isn't real no, either like it, it's not it's really all in thing. his head yeah yeah but so uh he is given a warning by the bookkeeper slash prostitute <laughs> about mayfield and he tries to get charlie to leave Mm -hmm. while charlie's still plastered he's like we got to get out of here yeah and this is where they're encountered by four uh men in the book it's the fur trappers who didn't get the bear pelt and they're mad about (laughs) it they're pissed off about it (laughs) uh and in the movie they're like mayfield's men Mm -hmm. and this is when we get our first reel in the book anyway our first real bit of action yeah where they uh begin a shootout i like how this plays out in both versions even though they're slightly different Mm -hmm. in the book uh charlie is sort of like i'm gonna challenge you like let's have a shootout like just you and me um and 
like the rest of you can watch us and we'll like <laughs> yeah. duel. they'll duel basically um and so eli counts them off but of course when they what do they, what do they even count to just one. Oh, one. he's like at the count of three then we'll like draw our weapons and shoot and they count to one and of course they, they just sh- immediately they draw shoot and all of them, shoot them. <laughs> <laughs> and it was great too because it was like yeah this was like a trick of theirs that they've done in the past when they yeah. were like outnumbered they like pretended to duel and then just shot all of them on the count of one <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh and so then they turn on i just want to mention the oh, yeah. movie version oh, yes, of yes. it where it's not exactly the same they have like their guns drawn on them and charlie is like leaning into this being drunk thing or he's like kind of ranting and like stumbling and is crazy and then he just vomits <laughs> like really like projectile like into the camera yeah and then they immediately like draw their weapons and shoot yeah it was it's more of like a shootout like from both sides in yeah. the movie like a little more action heavy but Joaquin Phoenix throwing up into the camera is like so fun. It's just like oh, it, it catches you off guard. Uh, so then they turn on Mayfield. They go back to the hotel and basically rob Mayfield. Yeah. In the it, movie, they kill. They kill Mayfield. Yeah. Because uh, she is like, I'm not giving you my gold. And then just cut to her dead on the ground. Yeah. In the book, they let Mayfield go, but still take all his money and like stash some of it in a in a spot because they can't like carry a lot with them. Because a lot of it's gold. Yeah. Yes. They like hide it in the hotel. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. And so then they they continue on their travels to they're going to San Francisco, right? At this point. Yeah. Yeah. Did they go to Jacksonville in the. I don't remember. I forget like the order all of all the names of yeah. the places. They go to Mayfield and then they go to San Francisco. That's all I know. Yeah. So uh, they arrive in San Francisco where this is in the book, especially in the movie. They're kind of like more following Morris and um, Herman kind of because they kind of keep like traveling and like changing. Yeah, locations. they're kind of tracking them. Yeah. Which makes a little bit more sense, I think, because in the um, in the book, it's like they're traveling a long way to just like kill this guy who yeah, it, is it's, like pretty far. Yeah, it's like doesn't like uh, the Commodore have connections like farther out there. Yeah. Instead of paying for these men's travel, <laughs> their room and board. Um, yeah. But so they're kind of like, you know, tracking them. They get to San Francisco and this is where they discover uh, Morris and uh um, warm have left for the rivers uh, with this formula. Yeah, and let's talk about San Francisco a little bit because this is taking place in like 1851. So we're in mm-hmm. the middle of the gold rush in California. And obviously, you know, California isn't really a thing in terms of it being like a place. Like it's very new. Yeah. The movie California sh- didn't exist at this California point. California <laughs> isn't really a thing. Um, the movie kind of shows along in these towns, like them kind of quickly being built and yeah. how sort of these towns and places are springing up because of the gold and kind of very quickly becoming these settlements um, and people moving in, stores coming in. Um, so, and there's like a lot of, I would describe the way that San Francisco is portrayed in both the book and movie as very manic. Yeah. And I think this reflects the energy of the gold rush. I loved all, I, I loved both versions. The, the movie's kind of more like a surreal quality to it. There's one point where Eli and Charlie are uh, walking their horses down the beach 
and there's just all this like furniture and shit yeah on the beach which like is given no explanation but it kind of gives it a surreal quality yeah Whereas in the book, we're like told more what's happening where Mm -hmm. uh, a guy tells Eli, he's like, yeah, so like all these guys who came in on these ships, as soon as they got to harbor, like fucked off for the mountains. Yeah, to try to find gold. To try to get gold. And like a lot of these ships didn't even like get their cargo unloaded and can't even hire anyone to like unload the cargo and do that stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's kind of this like, like that's how crazy everyone was about the gold rush at that point they were just like packing up and leaving with like hardly any equipment experience like anything yeah just for this small hope that they would strike gold and also the town being kind of this epitome of luxury but also like total um just depravity as well yeah um they talk about how everything is like super expensive because (laughs) it's like the gold rush capital so people are coming in when they've you know hit it big out you know in the rivers and they're there to spend money so of course the shopkeepers are there to cheat people out of the small amount of gold that they found. So they talk about like all the whores being really expensive (laughs) the food being expensive even if it's bad and just kind of like this ridiculous society that's formed around this gold rush idea. Yeah. And I love Charlie at one point is like, what kind of idiot would pay that much for this thing? And the guy's like, oh, I mean, you'll be an idiot soon enough if you stay here. Yeah. And kind of just being like, it's infectious. Like you make a lot of money, you spend a lot of money and that's San Francisco. And that's yeah. still probably San Francisco today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> still unaffordable. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Still completely out of everyone's price range. Uh, Speaking about spending a ton of money in San Francisco, uh, Charlie and Eli go out for this like lavish dinner at like this super fancy restaurant uh, because they have come across money from Mayfield Mm -hmm. uh, in this situation. And they're like, let's spend it. So they go out for this fancy dinner and we get a scene that's kind of like this at the right at the midpoint of the story where Eli starts to kind of propose the idea to Charlie, like, maybe we should stop killing people for a living. Yeah, and it's sort of brought on by the fact that, like, they realize that Warm and Morris have gone off together, and Eli's like, listen, they have fucked off. Like, we don't know where they are. We should just give up. Like, we should go back to the Commodore, say we couldn't find them, and just, you know, stop this. This is such a pointless journey. And also kind of saying, like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Like, this isn't really who I am. And they have this huge fight. Yeah, yeah. And and Charlie's drunk, which I don't think we've mentioned yet. But, like, Charlie's just... A huge drunk. A huge drunk and, like, you know, is constantly slowing them down. And, like, it's just a big problem for him in Yeah, general. he's always, like, super hungover the next day. I don't know if they're, <laughs> yeah. the liquor that they had back then was just really bad or if Charlie just goes that hard all the time. I feel like they just didn't drink as much water back then, probably. That's true. <laughs> yeah, they didn't make sure they had their, like, water in between. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, weren't, <laughs> they weren't chasing it down with water. Yeah. Plus, it just seemed like they drank beer a lot instead of water with meals and everything. True, so. True. So Charlie's drunk. They get in this fight. And in the um, movie, Charlie actually kind of hits Eli. Yeah. And kind of causes this big ruckus. But uh, yeah, it, it's this good scene where you kind of finally see them like confronting their the issue. Yeah, their differences. And that Eli like doesn't like maybe want to do this. Maybe isn't as good, a, good at it as Charlie. Yeah. And there's a part I'd like to read from the book about this. 
Um, <clears throat> so this isn't right up like during their fight. You can't even look at me. I looked and it was as though there was nothing in the world wrong with him. His manner was perfectly at ease. I imagine what he in turn was seeing in me, hair wild, rubbery belly pushing against an unclean undershirt, eyes red and filled with hurt and mistrust. It came over me all at once then. I was not an efficient killer. I was not and had never been and would never be. Charlie had been able to make use of my temper was all. He had manipulated me, exploited my personality, just as a man prods a rooster before a cockfight. I thought, how many times have I pulled my pistol on a stranger and fired a bullet into his body, my heart a mad drum of outrage for the lone reason that he was firing at Charlie, and my very soul demanded I protect my own flesh and blood. And I had said Rex was a dog? Charlie and the Commodore, the two of them together, putting me to work that would see me in hell. I had a vision of them in the great man's parlor, their heads enshrouded in smoke, laughing at me as I sat on my comical horse in the ice and rain outside. This had actually taken place. I knew it to be the truth. It happened and would happen again, just as long as I allowed it. I said, this is the last job for me, Charlie. I, I really love that part. It, yeah. it, it really um brings to light an interesting difference between them, and that is like, Charlie, even though he's like more willing to kill people and faster to kill people, um, he's kind of cold about it. Like yeah. It doesn't bother him. Yeah. Whereas Eli is more emotional mm-hmm. and it has to be kind of like pulled out of him. Yeah. And like he said, he's goaded n- into it. Yeah. He's not an efficient killer for that reason. So it's mm-hmm. like it's funny that the more emotional of them is like the less good at being a killer. Yeah, definitely. Um, in the movie, they actually have this scene where they kind of make up afterwards the yeah. next day. And because in the movie, Eli or Charlie had hit Eli, Eli punches Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> or like just gives him a really firm slap. Yeah. Like across the face. Mm-hmm. And, and it, this seems to make things okay between them. This, yeah, and their dynamic, I think it's great in both versions. Like in the book, there's just different parts where like, they can just make each other laugh. Yeah. They really feel like brothers. Yes. Like they've been through it all. They kind of know each other, like when to like back, back off, off, when to kind of like, uh, you know, try push to a little. push them into laughing or, you know, uh, into doing something. And in the film too, there's a funny scene when Eli wakes up to the sound of Charlie, like crying. Mm-hmm. It sounds like in his, in his bed at the camp. Yeah. And when he pulls back the blanket, Charlie's just like laughing at him. <laughs> He's just, it was just like a big joke. Yeah. And, and, but soon they're both laughing about it. And yeah. so like, I liked that moment as well. Like they just feel like they have a history together. Mm-hmm. Let's just talk about in the film, John C. Riley and Joaquin Phoenix as a duo. Cause I yes. mean, they're both so good. Oh my gosh. So amazing. Although I have to say Joaquin Phoenix as Charlie is so good. You think, yeah. I think he just has this like hardness to him and this edge that really captures Charlie, I think. Yeah. But he's also very kind of, uh, he has this exuberance also. There's moments of joy. Yeah. And especially like. Kind of childlike. Yeah. And even when he's like drunk off his ass and like there's a part where, you know, Eli looks out the window and Charlie is like shooting at people in the street just like for fun. Um, And he really keeps you, even though he is so terrible, like rooting for him a little bit um, and you feel a lot of sympathy for him. Yeah. I mean, like I said, Joaquin Phoenix is like maybe my favorite actor. Like I can't think of a role 
that he's not good in. He's incredibly versatile. Oh, yeah. To like, I mean, you compare a movie like this to like his performance in her. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so fucking different. Like, so and he's such a physical actor, too. Like he. Yeah. He goes for it physically in ways that like other actors like don't. Mm-hmm. Uh also, John C. Riley, I think, is like the perfect Eli. Yeah, he it, has that dopiness. Yeah. In a review I watched for the Sisters Brothers, someone said like he really embodies like he's bumbling, but he's still competent. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's a great way of putting it where like he is kind of the more like you feel bad for him. He's kind of more pathetic. Yeah. But like you still believe him as this like killer and hitman. That he could do it. Yeah. yeah. And I think he just like really um captures that performance. He does the comedy so well. He's had such an interesting career. Yeah. Cause in the early two thousands, I mean, he was in a bunch of Martin Scorsese films like <laughs> Gangs of New York and The Aviator, like playing a straight man. Yeah. Uh and then he was in uh Obviously, a bunch of comedies like Step Brothers and Talladega Nights. Mm-hmm. IMDb, I was reading the fun facts for IMDb on this movie, and they always give these facts about like, oh, this actor and this actor would later both portray Marvel Cinematic Universe uh, superheroes, <laughs> both in different movies. And like, it's always like, dumb. Really, yeah, distant acting comparisons. But one that I thought was great was that is funny and true is that like Joaquin Phoenix portrayed Johnny Cash in the movie Walk the Line and then John C. Riley portrayed Dewey Cox in Walk Hard the parody of Walk the Line (laughs) which is also a very very funny movie like that movie still holds up Um, but I loved that one of them played in the movie biopic and the other was in the satire of it. <laughs> yeah. And they do both hold their own really well. And I like their dynamic together. Yeah. Um. So after they've made up or agreed to like. This be the last job for Eli. Yeah. They decide to pursue Warm and Morris. I Not entirely knowing what they're going to do yet. I yeah, think. Yeah. They're sort of mixed. And even Charlie is sort of mixed because Car- Charlie is kind of realizing like, oh, the Commodore wants the formula. Yeah, and, like, they both feel bad about, like, killing this man because he had the audacity to, like, invent something and to try to be, like, you know, uh, making an income from it. And so they they do kind of feel shitty about it. And Charlie, too, is thinking, like, well, we won't get any of this. Like, the Commodore will make more money off of this formula. And it's sort of kind of, like, selfishly being, like, well, where's my end of the deal in this? How can I come up? Um, out of this situation. And it leads to this interesting sort of setup where they encounter Warm and Morris and Eli is like, hey, we we should be allies. Like, let's be allies. And Charlie sort of just agrees to it. There's a couple different situations that happen in the book and in the movie where they end up like helping Warm and Morris fend off these other guys who are trying to kill them. And that kind of cements their alliance. Yeah, there was one part in the book that I loved where, like, when they, when uh, the sisters brothers shot the guys attacking them. Yeah. In the book, uh, Morris is also drunkenly shooting. (laughs) And when the sisters brothers are like, hey, we killed those guys for you. There's kind of a pause and Morris is like, I think, I think I got the one on the left. And they're like, like, no, no, you you didn't. didn't. (laughs) (laughs) He just wanted to take credit for killing one of them. No, you you didn't. (laughs) And they all kind of come together here in this part of the story. And it's definitely not what I was expecting to happen. No. At all. You expect this 
really big confrontation and this climax when they all kind of are like, hey, we all sort of get along together. And we get these little parts of the story where Eli kind of goes off and talks a little bit with Warm and Charlie ends up spending time with Morris and they all sort of bond. Yeah. And I really loved um, it was interesting in the book, too. Like you get like a little bit more in depth. Yeah. In the movie, though, we get this like really nice montage. We get a couple scenes of them talking and kind of connecting like Morris and Charlie talk about like this new society. Yeah. Warm wants to start. And Charlie's kind of mocking Morris about it. He's yeah. like, you don't believe in this shit, really. And he's like, I mean, I kind of feel like I have to almost. Yeah. And, uh, but like we also get like just this montage of them working together mm-hmm. and almost like you're kind of seeing almost like what this society could be. Yeah. You know what I mean? Of these men just like working together, putting aside their differences. I mean, the brothers literally went there to kill them and now yeah. they're like joining forces to work together. So it's kind of mm-hmm. this like idyllic, like look at the possibility of what could happen like in this situation of the West. Yeah. And we get a part here where Eli is talking to Warm and kind of explains how he and Charlie kind of came to work for the Commodore. And we find out a lot about their past in the movie. Eli is the older one, which makes sense because John C. Riley is definitely older. Yeah. In the book, Eli is actually the younger brother. So the dynamic is changed a little bit in, um, each version. But basically we find out that their dad was super abusive towards them and their mom and almost tried to kill their mom. And Charlie ended up killing their dad in retaliation. Yeah. It's this really like kind of tragic backstory and everything. Yeah. We also get a weird, interesting part in the movie where when Eli was um, sick from his spider bite, he has this kind of hallucinatory dream about a figure chopping up body parts. Yeah. And later he says, I like I had a dream about dad. Yeah. And it's like very unsettling. Mm-hmm. And also, I think I don't know, but it sounded like Charlie in the dream. Yeah. Uh, And kind of looked like him, too. So I think implying that like Charlie definitely takes after the dad more. Yeah. And this being a thing in the movie, too. Charlie says something to Eli about their bad blood. Yeah. And that they they got it from their dad and that he shouldn't want to reproduce because They have bad blood in them from their father. Um, And Eli kind of goes on to say that, like, after that, Charlie was just really violent and he was getting into fights and I would, you know, try to protect him or back him up. And so then we got this reputation and sort of fell in with the Commodore. Um, And it's very interesting to see Eli and Warm bond this way. And you can tell they both kind of have a lot of things in common or at least are more thought driven yeah yeah i I like their like eli just talks about how warm is easy to talk to yeah um and riz ahmed who plays warm in uh the movie uh once again and this is cool like warm uh in the film is a person of color yeah he isn't in the book but he is in the film Mm -hmm. and it's like he's described as being like brown or dark skinned Mm -hmm. uh in the movie but like aside from that like there's no like racism thrown at him or anything like that so i'm like cool like people of color in this film and it's not like you know it's the west yeah anything can happen yeah people can just like not care about that shit uh and so but he he's great as warm and i also really like jake gyllenhaal as uh uh morris yeah uh they're both really good together and it's also funny because (laughs) if you've seen the movie nightcrawler 
uh, these two co-starred in that film together. Yeah, and this is Jake Gyllenhaal's redemption story. Because <laughs> he, I won't spoil it, but he's pretty shitty to Riz Ahmed's character in Nightcrawler. Oh, yeah, he's terrible. Like, But they're both <laughs> so good in that film. Yeah. And they're so completely different in this one. But I mm-hmm. love seeing them act together. Yeah, and they have this real bond and friendship between them. So things are going great. Um, let's... Let's try out the gold formula. Yes. See how that goes. The time finally comes. They are at the river, which has been dammed up. Yeah. And they're going to, they wait until night so they can see the gold when it's glowing. Mm-hmm. And and like I said before, in the film, we actually don't even know if this is going to work or not. Yeah. And I guess in the book, too, it could not work because of the river. But um, so they all get ready and they it's also been established, too, that, like, Warm and Morris have done this once already, and their skin is extremely blistered and irritated. Yeah. Uh, it was something that uh, Warm didn't foresee, that, like, the chemicals, even diluted in the water, um, would still damage their skin. Mm-hmm. So in the movie, you see them actually, like, kind of lubing up a bit before they <laughs> yeah. go in. <laughs> yeah. They lard up yeah. um, their legs, but he's still, like, when you start feeling, like, the burn... Uh, get out of the water and scrub off um, mm-hmm. before you go back in. And so they're going to try to be cautious about it. But it almost seems like, can they be? I don't know. Yeah. So they, they put the chemical in the water and like uh, churn up the water until uh, they they start to see the, it almost looks like Predator vision from the movie yeah. Predator, <laughs> like these kind of orangey glowing uh, spots in the water and it's the gold reacting to the chemical. And so they can start um, digging it up. Yeah. And it's this kind of like really joyous moment in both versions. Eli in the book talks about it was like the happiest he's ever been. Yeah. And maybe that was like a sign. Like he was too happy. Yeah. He was too good He'll to be true. He'll never get that again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they're just like, you know, digging up this, the gold and, you know, everything's great. In the book, actually, Morris isn't in the water with everyone because his burns were still like too bad from the first time. Yeah. Uh, so they're getting the gold out. But Charlie is kind of like, so first of all, he in the film, like, is staying in the water longer than everyone else. Like, yeah, everyone else starts feeling like the chemical burns and running out, getting yeah. out to scrub off. But like, Charlie's kind of like sticking it out. Like, you can tell he's like, he wants the gold. Yeah, he's like really determined about, you know, getting as much as he can. And so he comes out when everyone else is going back in and he realizes like the glow is going away because mm-hmm. it's like a very short time that the chemicals work. So then he grabs the full canister of it in the film and everyone tries to like yell at him to not do it. And he dumps it into the water. Yeah. And this scene in the movie, it's hard to explain. It's such a visceral reaction. I have like, from you just it. know, uh, like your stomach just drops out, like watching this, like it's like watching an accident in real life. Yeah. Where it's like such a dumb thing. That is like so avoidable, but that's like how most accidents are. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just a momentary lapse of like judgment or mm-hmm. like paying attention. And you're like, oh my or God. A slow reaction. Yeah. And um, so uh, Charlie spills some chemical straight onto his hand, which immediately starts burning. Yeah. The and- rest of it gets dumped in the water. And Morris's character, Jake Gyllenhaal, is kind of like running towards Charlie to try to stop him and actually trips falls into the water. Like right where the chemicals were dumped in. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Warm goes over to like pull Morris out. So he's in that chemical bath. And then 
Eli runs up to try to help Charlie to like wash off his hand and Charlie is just screaming. I'm Joaquin Phoenix like I don't want to say his best acting is when he's in pain, <laughs> but it kind of is. Like it's he's very just good. so good. Mm-hmm. And like I said it's just such a oh god what you know it's like all going to hell so quickly. Yeah. And it's kind of this like smash cut to the morning. I just want to talk a little bit about how the book yeah, yeah, is yeah. different. So in the book, um, Charlie kind of throws this third um, vat of formula. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm like, what, what, what is this? <laughs> like, you know, mixture into the water kind of at the beginning and spill some on his hand is like very in a lot of pain, but still is like, I'm fine. I'm fine. And they like pan for gold kind of like normal with these three barrels of formula in the water. And they only run into trouble when, uh, Morris who's standing up on the dam trips and falls into the water and then doesn't come back up and warm kind of is like, I'm going to go after him and jumps into the water as well to pull Morris out. Um, So it's less of like this thing, this thing, this thing, this thing happens. It's less of a chain reaction of like terrible circumstances and more just like, and then this happens and it was sort of like almost inevitable. I don't know, but yeah, similar ending. Yeah. The fact that, I mean, warm does kind of help Morris out of the water in both versions. Yeah. In the book, though, it feels like much more of an intentional decision. Yeah. To like jump into this water to save Morris. Yeah. Um, Something I did. I made a little bit more sense to me in the uh, the film, because when they first put the chemicals in the water, it's like two bucketfuls. Yeah. Uh, So it doesn't seem like that much. So when Joaquin Phoenix dumps like the whole vat in. Yeah. That's like a lot. Yeah. Whereas in the book reading it, I'm like, okay, they had two canisters in. Like, is the third going to be like that much more? Like, I don't think it's quite as obvious. But also, I think they made it seem like the burns from the first time were worse than they were in the movie. Yeah. So I think just overall, the whole process was much more volatile. In well, the, in and the like book. the submerging too. That's true. Um, Because before they were just, you know, it was just their legs. Um, But then, you know, at this point when Morris falls in and warm goes after them, they both have to submerge their bodies in this liquid. Um, So yeah. Then we get to the terrible morning after, um, the Morris and um, uh, Herman are both the worst off. Yeah. Um, They were both like completely submerged in the water and are just covered in scabs and blisters and are just like immobilized. Yeah. It's basically like being burned because it's Mm -hmm. chemical burns. Um, So a similar situation would happen if you were, you know, burned with like actual fire where, they're dying of exposure. Yeah. And it's just really tragic. The book kind of goes into detail about the two of them, like lying together on the sand and kind of like holding hands and like screaming and crying and like just in so much pain. Yeah. And they, their eyes kind of film over. They, they become blind. They can't see anything. Um, It just seems like extremely painful. And it's really sad because Eli and Charlie literally can't do anything. No. And Charlie, his hand is like, oh, yeah, very fucked over as well. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, he's not in much of a position. It's basically like all Eli. Like he kind of has to like try to help everyone, you know, in this situation. 
uh, in the book, Morris just dies first. Yeah. Um, but in the film, actually, he asks Charlie for a gun so that he can shoot himself. Yeah. Um, just because he's in pain. And in both versions, Herman is talking to Eli and he mistakes him for Morris. Yeah, kind of hallucinating. And Eli sort of plays along because he knows he's in his last moments. And he says, I wanted you to be my friend or I wanted us to be friends. I wanted to help you. Yeah. Yeah. And Eli says back, like, you were my friend. We were friends. Yeah. And then he dies. It's really sad. Yeah. It's so sad. And, and it's shocking, too. Uh, once again, this is my favorite way to, I think, experience the book and movie is like probably around the halfway point in the book <laughs> yeah. is when we watched the film. So I got to experience some of it knowing the book yeah. and getting to compare that way. But then the this part of the film I hadn't read yet you in the like, book. You were like, oh my God. And I was just like, oh my God. And I was just sh- so shocked that they killed both Morris and Herman. Yeah, Warm. Or I'm sorry, yeah. Uh, His name is Herman. Oh, right yeah, now. yeah. We've just been calling, We've been him, calling warm. him Warm. Uh, Morris and Warm. Uh, and yeah, I was just like very like shocked by that. Uh, and, you know, it's just like very, very dark. And but I think it, it, it's it's interesting, too, because like, I don't know, I couldn't help but think around this time about like in my head, like themes of like, um, like capitalism and everything. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really interesting because like Warm was an inventor and was trying to like do something in his mind that was like good. Yeah. You know, he wanted to like make this great invention to make gold mining easier. And like, ultimately it wasn't even about that. Yeah. He wanted to use that money uh, for good purposes to start this like better society, this commune for people. Um, But like, I think it shows that like his good intentions don't really count for much. Yeah. And like really in the end, what he made was this like toxic poison sludge. Yeah. that They threw into the river. That they just dumped into the river. And I think in both versions in the book, there's a bunch of beavers by a dam that just all all died. And in the movie, there's a quick shot of just a bunch of dead fish. Mm -hmm. And it was just very obvious that like what he was doing was horrible. Yeah. And I, it does kind of tie into that idea of like, This was probably going on a lot at the time. And you think about like mining and, you know, gold panning and some of the things that were done to, you know, get gold, to get oil, to Mm -hmm. get all of these things out of the earth that people, you know, want for money and how it just destroys the environment. And there's just no regard for the land and for the air or the water or anything. And like, even though Warm and Morris had like the best intentions, like, yeah. you know, that doesn't really matter in the long run. And it, it's similar to looking at like the sisters brothers who are hitmen. Yeah. Like it's very obvious, like even though Charlie has a better um, way of dealing with it, like emotionally, like it doesn't bother him. Like they're, they're doing it for money. Like yeah. it's their job. Yeah. You know what I mean? They don't have like a bloodlust or anything like that. They're just two dudes like doing something that they're both good at. Yeah. And when opportunity for something different comes along like this, they're like, yeah, let's do that instead of killing people. Yeah. Um, so I don't I think just like it's an interesting perspective in the backdrop of the gold rush, kind of like what built the wealth of America. Yeah. In a lot of ways and kind of like what we've compromised over the years in the pursuit of like wealth and capitalism and kind of like who suffers from that yeah i don't know i I thought this was like an interesting a really interesting portion of the book and story in general Mm -hmm. i can't say for sure that like 
it gives any answers or kind of like no goes far enough with those themes, but I really appreciated them mm-hmm. regardless. Kind of talking more about the book and movies themes a little bit. I feel like the ideas of like friendship, loyalty, companionship, and just wanting like to have someone to talk to are really present yeah. in these stories. And I mean, this is best represented by Warm and Morris and their friendship and especially like yeah. how they die and like Warm just wanting to be Morris's friend. Yeah, yeah. Their friendship was like really sweet and like almost like weirdly honest. Yeah. I, I think like in the story you're like, okay, one of them is like up to some shit or like one of them yeah. is going to betray. Even with like Charlie involved in the group, you're like, Charlie's going to try to fucking kill someone. Yeah. Uh, but like, no, he was just a big idiot. Like- <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like Eli this whole time seems to be searching for someone to talk to, someone to trust. And he doesn't really have that in his brother, even though they do have a semi-good relationship. And, you know, he meets all these women in the book and he's like trying to bond with them Mm -hmm. because he is searching for something, for friendship, for meaning, for companionship. And it's clear that like this lifestyle of the assassin and also this lifestyle of like, searching for gold in the West is very, you know, you're on your own. Everyone's out to get you. And there's not a lot of room for trust and genuine um, love and friendship. So I think it's interesting that we see so many examples of this and that it's also taken away from them. Yeah, I that's a really good point. The fact that like Eli kept searching for connection in terms of like romantic relationships yeah. in the book, but then it was ended up being with like relationship with other men, like these friendships, yeah, like his conversations with Warm that he kind of got like the most out of, yeah, which was a, is a really interesting uh, thing to point out. Yeah, I think it's a a cool theme for sure. Um, so after both Morris and Warm have died, Eli and Charlie have to decide what to do next basically yeah in the book it like sucks so much uh these uh this indigenous tribe shows up and yeah. they just take their gold yeah. like the gold that they got from which that they it, literally died over yeah which in the movie uh it's kind of not really brought up what they did with that gold no because it looked like a lot yeah uh but yeah in the book um yeah these they lose it these immediately. guys just come up and they're like we're we're taking that and eli's just like i don't care okay whatever he's like it's fine we have other riches stored away elsewhere mm-hmm. um that we can go grab so it's it's whatever yeah so in the book they continue they go back to mayfield's hotel find it burned to the ground and this is where they had hidden their stash uh that they got out of mayfield safe so that's gone and then <laughs> all the whores that worked for mayfield are like so mad that the hotel burned down they're like we didn't burn it down they're like fuck you guys and then so they like beat them up all these prostitutes just start kicking the shit out of charlie and eli and like take their money and their guns <laughs> i thought that part was so funny i know because at first like eli is almost they're not like, taking it seriously yeah they almost think it's funny and then eli's like oh shit <laughs> like very quickly <laughs> yeah and then they get back to the they have a house um, kind of like a shack somewhere. They get back there and like their secret stash in their house is also gone. So they're just like shit out of luck in yeah. the book. It's like this caravan of sorrow. Uh, in the movie, um, 
they go, the, the first place they go to is to a doctor because Charlie's hand is just... So fucked up. It's so fucked up that it has to be amputated. Mm-hmm. This, the same, they ugh. have to do it in the, in the book too. But yeah. The movie scene is just so graphic and visceral. Um, and I'm not going to say that, like the book scene is the same way, but there's something different about seeing... It. Well, it, it starts immediately with him sawing the arm off. Like, yeah. that's what it cuts to. And you're not even sure what's going on for a minute. You're like, is he sawing through wood? And then you're like, oh, no, he's sawing through the bone of an arm right now. Yeah. Um. And I, I think uh, John C. Riley, his performance here is like, I mean, he he's just like crying and like trying yeah. not to throw up. And it's just like really upsetting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and while Charlie, after the amputation, is still recovering, uh, who shows up but, like, some of the Commodore's men, including Rex. Yeah. Um, who was and, mentioned before in the story. Yeah, and it's clear that, like, the Commodore knows that they kind of ditched this mission or, like, yeah. went off, went rogue, basically, so sent some more men out to, like, track them down now. This part, like, I mean, I'm trying to think, like, when it really started. Ra- I guess just since the um, gold fiasco, like, it, it's just been, like, a ramp up yeah. of kind of this situation and like i remember at this point when john c Riley is like having to yell out mm-hmm. uh to rex and the guys like okay i'm coming out and he's like he doesn't have shoes he, on he doesn't have shoes on he's grabbing his guns and it's just like he's kind of having to like wing it and it's yeah, like he very, doesn't have charlie there no it's very tense yeah. uh and really well done and you don't actually get to see the shootout you only get like charlie's perspective of like hearing it all go down and the bullets whizzing by and, yeah um eli you know ends up killing them all mm-hmm. um but he kind of quickly realizes like this is only like the tip of the iceberg like there's going to be way more people after us now yeah and so as the movie they are clearly traveling to the commodore now and it's clear that eli has decided that the only way to end this is to kill the commodore yeah but they have to get there first so he and charlie are traveling they keep getting attacked by these different groups of men clearly sent by the commodore and um it's also really sad to see charlie be so helpless yeah um, because he was clearly the leader in many ways and now i mean his shooting arm is gone yeah. And um, so he can't really he can't help. He can't do anything. And and Eli has now like kind of taken the lead. Um, it's also sad. There's another sad part where um, they're laying in their, you know, asleep at their campsite. And Eli can hear Charlie like crying in, yeah. his, in his bed. And it's a great callback to earlier when this is like a prank. Charlie was pulling on Eli. Yeah. Where he checked on him and like, oh, you know, but like. Now Eli clearly knows that it's real and isn't like going to check on him. And it's just kind of like something in their relationship has kind of changed. Yeah. I don't want to say it's like worse. No, it's just shifted and their roles have changed a lot. And we see this very clearly in the movie because Eli has to be, I mean, in the movie, he's supposed to be the big brother. So he really kind of takes on this role now. And I think previously he felt like Charlie was more in charge and that he was kind of the dumb older brother, even though he should have been the stronger one. And now is like his opportunity to like protect Charlie and to kind of take the lead and be there for him. So I see I see this as like a really interesting dynamic shift between them in the movie. Yeah, it's well done. Uh Uh, Let's mention the Commodore part in the book first. So they're at their shack finding out they were robbed. And Eli is like, I'm going to go kill the Commodore. Like, fuck this. So he 
like grabs a knife and he like goes to the Commodore's house and he sneaks in, sneaks in. And the Commodore is like drunk, taking a bath. Yeah. With like a washcloth over his face and is like just totally unaware. Yeah. Just like making dumb drunk speeches in the tub. And Eli takes this opportunity to push him in the tub and drown him. Yeah. At first he's like listening. Yeah, he's, he's like, like I, I want to hear the end of the speech. Yeah. And then he's like, okay, I'm done. And then he just like submerges him. Yeah. Kind of because he like doesn't want to make it clear that it's a murder because then they might just still have more people after them. Yeah. So he kind of makes it look like the Commodore just like. Drowned while drowned. drunk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so then he returns uh, back to uh, Charlie and then they, they take off. The movie does something very different. Mm -hmm. The movie throws us a curveball. Yeah, they're all like set up. Um, Eli's like, okay, I'm going to storm the house. Uh, I'm going to take out his men. I'm going to kill him. Charlie's explaining how many men there are. They're loading up the guns. Like it's kind of like the tense music is playing. Like you're excited. Uh, They're approaching. They're walking down the classic dirt uh, road of the town. Yeah. And... You kind of see a change occur on their faces before you even know what they're seeing. Like, yeah, they look at each other and Eli like holsters his gun. And then you see that the front of the Commodore's mansion is uh, draped in black curtains. Yeah, because the Commodore is dead. <laughs> and it's not explained how the Commodore died. I mean, he was old. So yeah. you're guessing he just died of old age. Um, but they walk in and the Commodore is in the coffin. There's a funny scene where Eli like punches him. <laughs> And the 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 undertakers or like funeral directors are clearly like, what the fuck are you doing? And he's like, I'm just making sure he's dead. Yeah. And and Charlie gives a line, too, that I thought was funny and kind of meta where he's like, you must be disappointed talking to Eli and kind of also talking to the audience. Yeah. Because like, it was building up this like shootout climactic finale so much. And then it was just like this anti-climax. Yeah. Um, and then... So then they leave mm-hmm. and you're kind of not sure where they're going until they approach this house with an older woman in the yard and you find out they're home. They yeah. they went back and this is their mother. Mm-hmm. And in both the book and the movie, she's kind of suspicious of them at first, but then lets them in. And then we just see these scenes of Eli and Charlie kind of just eating food with their mom Charlie's like taking a bath. Eli's mm-hmm. like lying on his childhood bed that's like too small for him. And like <laughs> he and his mom having a conversation in the book. And like it just feels like they've reached the end of their story and that maybe they can start again from here yeah. and live a different life. Uh, yeah. And, and this part, this is a, another spot where the music really shined for me. Like it's yeah. kind of this really soft melody and like kind of this symbol that kind of keeps playing rapidly throughout. It's just like really like this really sweet song and just mixed with these, like this long shot that kind of keeps tracking through the house. Yeah. Uh, I read that it was a real one take and that they kept changing rooms and quickly changing wardrobe (laughs) between rooms. Um, I don't, believe that yeah because watching it again yesterday um i just don't think it was possible and there was one shot that felt a little weird like it was a uh hidden cut yeah um but regardless i really like the effect of it Mm -hmm. and i think for the movie it's especially interesting because like this following 
the the anticlimax of the Commodore house attack. Yeah. It really kind of like it <clears throat> trades this like climactic gunfight for this really soft kind of personal like scene. Yeah, this of, touching moment of homecoming. Yeah, and it kind of makes you question like look at yourself and ask like what were your expectations? Yeah, why like I was hoping for like a big gunfight and it's like what does that say about me that like I wanted to see this bloodshed and that like I thought the story needed to conclude that way. And like how do we need our our heroes to have their arcs concluded? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um and when you think about like even the scene with Warm and Morris dying, like you don't, you didn't expect that to happen with them. You know no. what I mean? Um, you didn't expect them to die just from like the formula itself, like not anyone outside coming to stop them, nothing like that. It was just almost like fate, or that the formula would have killed them anyway. You know, um, like they had not brought it on themselves, but that it was just like an accident. Yeah, yeah, kind of this really. Like, you don't see characters die in kind of, like, a dumb... A random way. Yeah, a dumb way like that that, like, feels, like, totally preventable. Yeah. But I kind of like that because it's so real in a way. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Um, Yeah, so it was just a really interesting bait and switch at the end of the film. Yeah. Uh, And even though the book doesn't have, like, a climactic gunfight at the end, like, it's still Eli kind of, like exacting his revenge kind of yeah and so it is still kind of like fulfilling that wish a little bit i think from the reader so Mm -hmm. yeah but they both do end at the house kind of in this happy or optimistic view so but so that that (laughs) brings us to the end of both versions yeah and so adina I, i only have one question for you and that is which version do you think is better you know, as we were recording, I was just like, oh, wait, I haven't thought about this. And I pulled an You Ian. did what I do, <laughs> slash what I have done right now, because I also have not decided on this yet. But I was thinking about it, and I think I like the movie more. It, oh, man. See, I'll explain okay, why, yes. why I me, decided this. Give me your argument. So I think the book is very unique. And it has this really strange tone to it. Like I was saying, it's kind of like has this odyssey feel. It also kind of reminds me of like um, a character going through like purgatory, like the divine Mm. comedy or something, because it really does feel like this um, surreal type journey Um, and almost like they need to go on this quest to fulfill something. Um, And there are really interesting parts, strange moments, and I think the character of Eli is done really well. But honestly, like, seeing the performances come to life really made me care more. Yeah. Just seeing, like, the four actors that we mentioned, you know, uh, John C. Riley, Joaquin Phoenix, Riz Ahmed, and uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, like, they were so good in their roles and really made me care about especially Jake Gyllenhaal and Reza Med, like they, yeah. their bond was so great. And like, I just really loved that so much. And like, I feel like the book is, if I would have just read this book and not done it for the podcast, I would have been like, yeah, it was kind of weird. And then like, that would have been it. Yeah. Like I do think it's good and interesting, but it didn't really, I don't think it would have stuck with me that much. And I would have sort of been like, yeah, I was like trying to do a thing and it kind of pulled it off. But I think the movie had more of an impact 
and felt more dynamic. Yeah, for me, the reason it's hard is because, like, at first, I was really, really loving this book. Like, it was super readable to me. Like, I just kept, you know, turning the pages pretty easily. I really liked the little mini episodes all throughout the beginning of this story. Like, they were, like, bite-sized and, like, really good. It almost felt like just a series of those events. Um, And so, like, the book was great. And... Compared to the movie, I do think the movie's kind of slow at first. Yeah. It, it you know, it doesn't have quite that quirky wildness at the beginning. And it does take a little bit of time before, like, like once the four of those characters are finally brought together, like, that's really, for me, when the movie gets, like, really, really good. Yeah, I feel like the movie was, like, the strongest in the later half. Absolutely. And I feel like the book had a weak later half. And I, yeah, I think... It swept. It 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 swept. It swapped and it switched for me. <laughs> uh, where I really enjoyed the second half of the movie a lot better than the second half of the book. The book just didn't feel quite as um, emotional from a character standpoint. I really liked the alterations the movie made. I thought, yeah. like I thought, the scene of the gold. Uh, digging going to hell was like much more impactful in the film. Yeah. And the fallout from that. I loved the, the fight with Eli when he's when Charlie has his arm amputated. That scene is cool. Yeah, I loved that scene. And especially the subversion of the Commodore being dead and yeah. like denying you that last. It's like I just watched shootouts. Why do I want one more? Like, yeah. what am I getting from that? Like, I loved that. And the way it ended I don't know. Like I was almost like I was like tearing up. Yeah. Just something about like John C. Riley <laughs> laying on that tiny bed. <laughs> really did it for it you. It really got to me. Like, <laughs> I, but like the curtains blowing and like yeah. it just kind of like very subtly just shifts to the end card that just says the sisters brothers with the credits and like mm-hmm. the sky and like I don't know. It was such a tender, quiet ending for kind of unexpectedly. Yeah, for such a kind of for a book that, or movie that was so volatile and like wild at points. Yeah. That like it really hit me in a way that I don't think the book ever quite did. No. So I am inclined to agree with you that I do think I liked the movie better. Even though I would highly I liked the book quite a bit. Um especially at the beginning. Um but I agree it it, it did fall off for me in the second Mm-hmm. portion they're both definitely good and if you're looking for kind of a different take on a western or a more like kind of self-aware western with some humor in it definitely check the book or the movie out for sure yeah so i just want to take a moment and read um our patron jeffrey's uh thoughts on the book and movie yeah um and we'll post we're just reading a snippet of it we'll post his whole um kind of review on patreon for anyone who wants to check it out Uh, So he says, uh, the book has what seems like a solid plot to find and take out Herman Warm. However, despite the charms of Eli's sisters in particular, I struggled to stay especially engaged in what the stakes were of the story. The sense of nihilism, all the killing, the violence, was a bit much to keep weathering when you knew Eli's sisters had a lot of interiority he was capable of. The characters in the book seemed primarily cartoonish to me. There were moments of sincerity, especially with Eli's love and care for his horse, Tub, um, and his brief romantic entanglement with a saloon girl. The plot ending regarding Herman Warm was surprising, and I did find what happened to wrap up that story compelling, if a bit tired and politically incorrect. The movie, like the book, suffers from no satisfying denouement. The film is lovely to look at, a very striking west of old, often filmed in Romania, 
with eye-popping expanses of fields and mountains and horses and villages. It seemed very lovely, but the characters I experienced had little deeper truth than males gonna male. What I mean by this, in some way or another, men are driven by materialism. Even the noble Herman Warm needed to be needed the extensive gold uh, to one day begin his spiritual community in Dallas, Texas. I liked how obviously misguided this was. Each of the males and the acting was very good and never boring. Represents shades of the same toxicity, a rugged individualism triumphing over collectivism. The movie ending might have some uh, referendum on this as, spoiler alert, the two young men only find a home that nurtures them as they arrive back in their aged mother's care as the movie ends. I made it. <laughs> I'm not the best reader, but uh, yet I love what, a lot of what he was saying. It's interesting how he kind of took more of a, uh, you know, those battling of like individualism versus collectivism and... And pointing out the toxic masculinity, which... Yeah. I always love to talk about. He also goes on to mention the idea of the titles, like the Sisters Brothers and the role of women in the story, because there really aren't women in it. And when they are, there aren't na- they are not named. So, uh, yeah, I, th- I thought Jeffrey's thoughts are really great. Uh, thank you again for sharing and for suggesting this episode. So let's do lightning round. Let's do a lightning round. So first up for lightning round, some of the crazy people that they meet along the way <laughs> in the book, it's so funny. They are like looking for Warm and Morris at this point, and they run into this like crazy prospector who's been out in the wild too long. And it's funny, uh, he comes over and is like sharing coffee with Eli, and Eli is like, oh my God, this is like terrible. And like when Charlie comes to sit down by the fire, he like kind of motions to him and is like, don't drink the coffee (laughs) (laughs) and then i want to just read the part after the prospector leaves so he turned and walked away with benny bringing up the rear once he was out of earshot charlie asked what was wrong with the coffee i passed him my cup he took a tentative sip and discreetly spit it out his face had no expression this is dirt he said i know it is the man brews and drinks dirt i don't think he thinks it's dirt charlie lifted the cup and took another sip he pushed this around his mouth, and again, he spit it out. How could he not think it's dirt? <laughs> like, he was literally putting dirt into a coffee pot and just, like, boiling Brewing it. it. I love how Charlie, like, took a second sip. Yeah. Like, is it possible to not know? And he's like, I don't think it is. So I'm actually going to throw you a curveball, because I remembered another part. Um, Ooh, unexpected lightning round. I know, of the book that I wanted to mention. I think all these lightning rounds are going to be book. <laughs> Um, but it cracked me up. We find out more about, um, uh, Warm's backstory in the book. Oh my God. That he was like this crazy, uh, drunkard who was just like filthy and like was just nuts until he got like drugged basically and recruited into the army or like brought into the army. And like this, like really turned his life around in a lot of ways. (laughs) And once he had this formula, he was like well, I want to leave the army and to like, you know, pursue creating this formula and trying it out. But he's like, I know like people who abandon uh, the military are shot. And so he's like really worried about it. And so he talks to the guy who he knows like drugged him and like brought him to the army to begin with. He's like, he tells him like, I want to leave, but I don't know how. And like, I'm really nervous about it. And the guy's like, oh, you should just go because um, 
I mean, technically, you're actually not in the army. He's like, you never actually signed any paperwork. We just kind of did this as a prank. And then you just stayed here <laughs> for like a year. And like, So then they like threw him a going away party. But it's just like so funny that he was like in the military for like a long time. For no reason. For no reason. Like he could have left at like any point, And that just like cracked me up so much. Uh, I also want to mention from the book, Eli talks about how when he was younger, he has like this temper that can get the better of him sometimes and how his mother taught him the soothing method, which is when he gets really mad, he just jerks off. <laughs> and it's like weird, but you're like, okay. And then later at the end of the book, when they go back home and he's talking with his mom, she's like, how's your like anger and stuff? He's like, it's fine. And she's like, how are you using the soothing method? And he's like, yes, it's, it's been effective. And it's just like so weird for his it mom is. to be like, you know, that thing that I taught you, like, it's so funny. Cause until we were talking right before recording lightning round, I remember the mother mentioning that in the book at the yeah. end, but like I had forgotten what it was until just now. And I'm like, Oh my God, that's where he masturbates the when he's mad. Method. The soothing method. <laughs> Uh, I just wanted to read this part because um, it's when they're all drinking and partying at Mayfield's hotel. The women continued to visit and tease me, sitting on my lap until my organ became engorged, then laughing at me or or it and moving on to my brother or Mayfield. I recall standing to correct and retuck the bloated appendage and noticing that both my brother and Mayfield were likewise engorged. Just your everyday grouping of civil civilized gentlemen sitting in a round robin to discuss the events of the day with quivering erections. <laughs> it's like going to a strip club. It is. That's what we've always <laughs> talked about. It's just like why guys sitting around with erections. This is totally no homo. <laughs> but I loved um, I loved this book's uh, description of that part. Yeah. <laughs> That's it for lightning round and the episode. Thanks again to Jeffrey for suggesting it. This was a really fun one to do. I'm glad we could kind of take a different tone um, with this one. Getting to do like a Western was really fun. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, finally getting to uh, watch this movie and just see all the great performances in it and and read the book as well, which I I really enjoyed, too. So Mm -hmm. Uh, if you'd like to. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. You can do that. We're on Twitter at uh, Cover Two Credits, and you can email us at Cover to Credits Pod at gmail.com. And then you can also find us on Patreon if you would like to support us. This was a patron suggested episode, and we always um, take the suggestions of our patrons and try to put them um, up in our priority of scheduling. So, yeah, if you have an idea for an episode, Um, You can support us on Patreon. And if you would like to support us in another way, you can also leave us a star rating on Apple Podcasts. Yeah. And uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye.